another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. It is that time again. It's a solo episode. It's just me and my lonesome. Just me hanging out, thinking about things, and telling you what I think about. I think that's actually been, you know, when I was younger, this was not, <laughs> I don't know that I would have called it a gift, but I don't really have a filter between what I think and what I say, generally. And I, I, I like the idea that at least we're willing to say something that other people think at the cost of <laughs> social rejection, which, hey, that happens. But I think if you say it in a way or turn some humor into it, I think that we can begin to see the commonality that's between us, which is that we all have some fucked up thoughts. I mean, let's be honest. I think I heard about a test that you used to have to take for work. I think I had to actually take it. I used to work at Future Shop, which is like a Best Buy for, is a Canadian Best Buy, basically. Best Buy bought it. And uh, one of the tests I had to do was like a personality test. After I'd already worked there for six years, so that was kind of stupid. But I was worried that I was going to fail this personality test. And I remember one of the questions was like, have you ever thought of robbing a bank? And I guess almost everybody has thought of robbing a bank, like just at the idea of it, you know, and that's the nature of being human is we think about weird things. We have weird sexual desires. We maybe we don't actually all have that, but whatever, just I'll take the grenade on that one. But we all have an internal dialogue that we hide from the world. And that just induces shame, you know, this idea like I shouldn't be thinking that, I shouldn't be feeling that, but you do. And when you reject this idea of a thought or a feeling, you reject yourself, you become the birthplace of that, you know, and that just being able to monitor that, oh, I shouldn't feel that, but you do. Now what? Own it, feel it. I shouldn't be thinking that, but you do. Okay. You don't have to act on everything you think, obviously. You know, that's the beauty of choice. That's the beauty of having agency over who you are. Yeah, right? That's, I was reading a meme today that said, responsibility is your responsibility, your ability to respond. Ooh, that was a good one. I didn't make it up myself, but that is a good one. And that changes your life. The ability to choose your response given any situation. And that's really what I've been diving into and practicing in the experience of my breakup is just, how do I love all of it? How do I love all of it? How do I find the divine in all of it? How do I meet it with grace? How do I even meet my anger with grace? Without saying, it's not okay for you to be here, but you're here, how do we express you in a, in a loving, safe way? And yeah, before I get really into whatever I'm going to talk about today, which I know that doesn't give a lot of certainty as what you're about to listen to, but isn't that the beauty of life to be on the edge of adventure? None of us really know what's going to happen in the next minutes, but isn't it beautiful that we're going to spend them together in your car or wherever you are and where I'm sitting? It's beautiful. I love it. So first, I want to say thanks for some reviews that I've received. I mean, you have all been so great at leaving reviews. So if you haven't left a review, please go leave a five-star review and a written review wherever you listen to this. It gets it into more people's ears. It makes this conversation become normal conversation. That's what we want to do is normalize this shit that we're talking about relationships and love and connection and what it's like to be a human. You know, no one identifies with perfection. We identify with what we don't do well. We identify with hurt. We identify with struggle. And, and we identify with that because that's the shared human experience. It's not 
perfect abs. It's not the best perfect diet, like where you don't eat gummy bears anymore and you're probably depressed if you don't eat gummy bears because they're so good. So here's a review that is from Meditator, which I don't know how you got that username on your own, but that's pretty dope. And it's Mark Groves brings a fresh perspective to the world around relationships, dating, and discovering how we must grow and develop ourselves as human beings. I've followed him for a few years now on his Instagram page, Create the Love. If you don't follow me there, that was your invitation to go do that. And have never regretted it. Do you see that? Meditator has never regretted it. The information he shares on love and the willingness to learn from our pain and use it to grow is transformational. Through communication and personal growth, we learn that in this crazy world, we can heal heal ourselves and be the best partners, husbands, wives, friends, and parents we can be. His podcast is an extension of that powerful work, which I highly recommend. Don't hesitate to join him on this journey. Thank you, meditator. That I love. It's such a beautiful review. Another one from Maya Marie, 13. That's not quite as unique of a username, but it's a good one. Honestly, this has been so helpful for me the last few weeks as I've been going through a breakup. It's made me feel hopeful, given me a different perspective, and I've just learned so much. Even beyond breakup episodes, there is so much more to learn about relationships and behavior and connection. New favorite for sure. So grateful I found it. I'm grateful you found it. I'm grateful I found you find it. That, see what I did there? So, wow. I mean, if you're going through a breakup, I do have a breakup recovery course. And all you got to do is go to bit.ly, so bit.ly slash breakup rebirth and go find out more about it and register. I take you through five weeks where we take a breakup and then we learn how to crush life. Isn't that what it's about? You know, I've really thought about this evolution of humanity. And, you know, the if you're new to following this experience and this work, um, my breakup has really forced me to think a lot about mortality and forced is not maybe the right word, but invited me to because all things end. And I think just the ending of it and the unexpected nature of the ending, not to say that, you know, whenever anyone says like, I didn't see it coming. I mean, let's be honest, we often see it coming. And it's not that I didn't see it coming. It's just that I didn't expect to be where I am or I was as soon as the relationship came to a close. And in that exploration of death, in that exploration of mortality, has also been just this exploration of individuation, of being an individual, of being a, a sovereign self, you know? And I've really begun to think a lot about that we avoid the thought of endings, we avoid the thought of death, and it's such a real looming experience. And it's not to say that you should obsess about it or it should live in the frontal area of your thoughts all the time. It's that it is there and the denial of its existence, it creates a bit of an angst and that angst then needs to be numbed with whatever ways that we numb, disconnect, use our phone, that we can't sit in the presence of self. And I don't drink. I haven't drank in, it'll be a year in January and I stopped puffing the chiba, you know, and they say when you quit drinking, but you still smoke weed, you're California sober. (laughs) No offense if you're from California, but hey, we all know what I'm talking about. And I'm in Canada on the West Coast, so it's really no different. But I realized that even the experience, I didn't smoke a lot of marijuana, but even the experience of 
doing it sometimes it could become like alcohol take the same role of disassociating me from myself disconnecting me from my full emotional experience and for the first time in my life i'm going through i would say in extremes of emotion but completely present to the extremes of emotion you know i i want to own and and open up and be vulnerable to all the experiences i've had because i I think that's the common piece is if I filter from you what is real for me, then you might filter from yourself what is real for you. And that's why vulnerability is such a bridge. It's such an invitation when we share because it says, I am this courageous. I I trust this much that you can hold this. And it invites someone else to do the same. And someone always has to go first. You know, that's the way it works. But we don't want to be the one who goes first. And I say, fuck that. You'll never lose being the one who loves the most. You'll never lose being the one who expresses more. It's when we shut down, we start losing. And this doesn't mean you should express and overexpress with people who are not safe to express with. Because there's something about being open and having your own back. That's that balance. And so this idea of being an individual, of thinking about this space that I'm in and feeling all of it and not having a way to unplug from it but to actually sit in it. And I've, in some way, I don't want to say be forced, but I have had to hold a large container of feeling, maybe in a way I never have before. And that's why I think a lot of the grief I'm experiencing is actually old grief. And that's why it has come in waves. You know, it's come as I sit more with it or I go through the stages of grief that are just innate in acceptance you know, and, and being present to the acceptance of the truth that a relationship is over. But even in the greater sense that I've had many that have ended, you know, and even the acceptance that at some point life will be over. And there's a sadness to that. You know, there's a sadness to the idea that we won't listen to podcasts one day, or we won't share a cup of tea with our best friend, or that we won't be looking into the eyes of our lover or that our child will live beyond us or leave before us. And all of those things, those just realities, they connect us to something that's oddly beautiful in a sense that, that just that grounded nature of, of the truth that allows me to feel more grounded within myself. I did this interview for a Netflix documentary not that long ago that's coming out in the fall. And it was on spirituality and the search for God. And I was like, oh, me, it's clearly not a Christian documentary, but, <laughs> you know. But I thought, to, you know, I got asked, like, when have you felt most disconnected from yourself or disconnected from God? And I thought I felt most disconnected from myself in the extremes of a breakup where I've lost myself, where I've experienced betrayal, you know, in my past or, you know, where I've just been so beside myself. And then the guy asked me, when have you felt most connected to yourself and to God? And I thought, and I said, in those moments too. And that was a weird answer. I, you know, I gave the answer before I thought about the answer. 
And then I sat with it and I thought, isn't that so beautiful? In the devastation of everything is also the connection to everything. And there was a talk I was listening to from this spiritual teacher named Gaganji. I've gotten more woo-woo as this breakup has happened. Don't even worry about that. Sober, so you can't be like, oh, he's smoking weed and talking on his podcast. I'm not. This is sober thoughts. But I listened to her um, talk and she said, to let go of all the tools you have, let go of all the strategies you've built, your meditations, your breath work, your, your charisma, your power, let go of all of them. And just for this moment, and I want you to think about that right now, of like, just for this moment to let go of your identity, to let go of your defense mechanisms, to let go of the stories you've built about who you are and what it means what your trauma means about you and even your name and just let all of those go. And she said, if you sit in that, there is a moment where one leaps back into themselves, but it is only when they are naked of everything they have learned. It is in that space that you are just you that you just sit with yourself, that you breathe in, that you put your hand on your chest, you feel your heartbeat, and you are naked to everything, and it's just you. And I don't know how often I've paid attention to that. There was a beauty to that invitation that reminded me of who I am. And it's so easy to get caught in the busyness and the need to fit in and to get the right job and make a certain amount of money and be perceived a certain way and have material possessions and to have to have our relationships work out a certain way. When we let go of all of that, that we experience the breath of it all, that we are whole, that we are complete, that all of that stuff is just a band-aid that covers the lack of presence of our own selves. Isn't that crazy? It's weird, but I have no desire for alcohol anymore. I have no desire for things to pull me away from who I am. Although I haven't, I don't want to say that I've enjoyed all the richness, <laughs> you know, the richness or the, the breath of my emotional experience because some of it has been overwhelming. Some of it has been a container that I wasn't sure I could hold. But I trust in the belief that we are always given what we can experience, what we can handle. And sometimes life pushes us to such a great edge that we have no choice but to expand, to become the container that can hold it. And there was a moment this has happened twice in the last three months where I have sat with so much and just considering everything, not just my life or not just relationships, but just the breath of the human experience, the, the like amazing 
fucking miracle that is going on if we just notice, if we just pay attention. And sat in this loop of like, just sheer awe that we are here in this fucking moment. Like to me, just saying that, that we are here in this moment, in this time, in this, on this planet, like just the sheer chances of that are so fucking crazy that it is a lot to hold. The mind just goes in loops. Why am I here? Who am I? Why am I here? Why am I here? And the capacity of that has caused me to have an experience where I think my mind is going to fracture. I like sit in this space where I think my mind is going to not be able to hold it and it's going to implode or explode. And I was telling this to a friend of mine. I said, you know, I, I had this thought where I'm like, is this a psychotic break? And my friend said to me, it's a spiritual awakening. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? What? Are you California sober? And it has been this delicious dive into actually not trying to figure it all out and just surrendering to the idea that we actually really have no idea how any of this works. I was thinking about this, that we, you know, we we really think that we know how the body works. We, we think that we know how illness works or how to cure things or how not to cure things. You know, it's like when you tell someone they only have three months to live, they often live to that three months or shorter because they have been told what to expect. And I thought to myself, like, it doesn't take very long or much work to look around and see complete, you know, complete evidence of the total untruth of some things. That there are people who, through emotional work, have cured um, autoimmunity through nutritional change, through changing their circumstances. I could tell you boundaries are pretty damn healing for the body if you want to feel safe within yourself, you know. And, and I was watching the documentary Heal, and in it, they go through all these like ideas of people who have experienced like radical remissions of cancer. And they go through some of the stuff that all people who have experienced these radical remissions and health miracles, things they've done. And I believe there was nine things. Maybe there was eight. And like six or seven out of them were emotionally related. And... You know, we call these experiences where people have divine healings, we call them that, miracles. And it's even in the study, I think it's Lisa Rankin, had not the singer, but a researcher, a physician, has a couple TED Talks on this. And just even the idea of studying the placebo effect, that if we think we're taking an active drug, we can actually experience the benefits of the drug without actually having the drug. That's crazy that the body can mimic these things. And these are the healing properties that the body has. And so I started to think on this further. You know, I used to be a pharmaceutical rep, so I'm very familiar with the whole constructs of the healthcare system and medicine and illness and treating symptoms and not sources and the 
financial benefit of that section of the world and how all these systems sort of work together. You know, if you are not taught how to manage conflict and deal with your own emotional state, you'll be in a state of inflammation and inflammation leads to disease. Your body's not in a state to heal itself when it's in fight, flight, freeze, your immune system gets compromised. And when you start to think about these things, when you start to actually consider that what we cons- what we consider solutions, I keep using the word consider, but hey, let's consider considering. When we think about these solutions and treatments, they are outside of the scope of what we often believe is possible. And I say all of this because I come back to this constant questioning of what happens if we actually start to question who we would be if we weren't born where we were born, if we didn't have the name we had, if we, if we actually just connected to the truth of our inner knowing. And, you know, we, it really becomes a struggle when we think about having to put boundaries up with family or end a relationship or start one that is not societally approved or culturally approved or religiously approved. Like whenever we have to go against a system to follow an inner truth, we often abandon ourselves to stay within the system. And at the beginning of this, I was talking about how I was fascinated by individuation, that, you know, if you look historically at the human experience, we very much were taught to put the tribe's needs ahead of our own. And that has just continued to be magnified by our experience of self-abandonment in order to be loved. That's that far extreme, you know, that for the species to evolve, we had to abandon ourselves. And you think about the other end of this, that we are very much, depending on where you live in the world, in a very individualistic state, a very self-driven state. And that can often be referred to as selfishness. So somewhere in between lives the balance of what it means to be human. You know, because that's the same thing that we do to our earth, which is we cared for the earth. We were part of Mother Earth. We were part of the system. And then through the arrogance of consciousness, we believe that we're not responsible for it. And we can just take from the planet. That can The planet can literally just decide by coughing to destroy all of us. And then the world would thrive without us. You know, and so when you think about that, this like individualistic, capitalistic mindset that is take, take, take versus being part of the synergistic system that exists around you, whether you agree to it or not, the rules of how this world works. We need to find a balance where we are surviving and thriving and ensuring the surviving and thriving of all things around us. And this is where we get into this existential thought that when we die, we become we are energetically transformed into, let's just say your body is pouring over the earth and it becomes fertilizer and is energetically exchanged for the growth of grass or trees or plants or whatever, or food, you become food too. That's why nothing is gained and nothing is lost. Everything is a symbiotic system in this world. And when you start to think about that, when you start to sense the depth of everything's experience on this planet, including plants, including animals, including other people, you also cultivate a deeper compassion for yourself. 
And you start to see that everything we do has an impact on everything around us. And that's the level of responsibility that we have to take for ourselves. That isn't important to not self-abandon yourself, you know, to not get rid of your own needs and all those things for your relationship. And it is important to take care of oneself. But as the saying goes, no man is an island, that you can't build such a self that you are not open to others. And when we have learned through evolution that self-abandonment is the way we progress, and now we're seeing that actually self-abandonment costs us. It costs us from a sense of our biology, that the reclamation of self by actually claiming what is true for us, expressing what we need, expressing our boundaries, expressing our feelings, standing in the truth of what we want and what we are worthy of. When we do that, we experience the other extreme. And then it is about, and this is about what relationships are all about, is how do you hold on to who you are and be in love? That space between you and another is where attraction lives. That's where desire lives. That's where mystery lives. That's where individuation and holding on to the truth of who you are invites your partner, your son, your daughter, anyone around you to honor the truth of who they are. And in doing that, there's a harmonistic experience. I'm not even sure. I think that's a word. There's a harmony that occurs in the love and respect of self and the love and respect of another person's expression of self. And in conflict, that looks like, I don't understand how you see things, but I respect that you see things differently. And I'd like to understand your world. If you would take the time to understand mine as well, and that becomes a baseline of how we operate in relationship. I will take the time to learn about you. And you know, as we grow and change and age and adult, we begin to, or we continue to learn more about what we want, what's gotten in our way of love, what things we need to work on, what things we need to heal. As we do that work, we change. Our identity changes. I've spoken before about we are born into families where we are basically told what to believe. And even our spiritual practice is not often invited for us. It's given to us. And so we grow up in these dogmas and doctrines that don't even align with who we truly are. But rebelling against them is a fear of not belonging, self-abandonment for the sake of the group not seeing that we are abandoning self in the adoption of someone else's beliefs about who we need to be and what we need to think. We're doing that by taking on a belief that doesn't, it's not congruent with us. And so when we reclaim that, when we feel into who we are and what we want and how we want to exist in this world, we start to experience peace and we start to allow ourselves the room for change. 
And Dr. Alexandra Salmon has a beautiful quote that I love where she talks about how we will have many marriages in our lives, sometimes many relationships in our lives, sometimes to one person who has changed over and over and sometimes to more than one person. And both stories are okay. Because even how you're supposed to relate and love and what is and is not okay, and whether you're allowed to get divorced or your relationship's allowed to end, and what that means about you, what you make that mean about you, all of that is just bullshit. All the rules of how long you're supposed to wait to date and what it means to truly grieve and all these different things, they're all rules that someone else told someone else. But when you operate from a place of kindness and love and generosity, then you can make your own rules. Just do everything with grace. Do everything with honesty and transparency. When you do that, you are free. You're truly free to be who you are. And I don't get to give you permission to do that. No one does. You do. You are in charge of yourself. You are responsible for what life you want to live and how you want to be remembered and whether you want to stand in the truth of who you are. And in doing that, we have to let go of who we are not. We have to let go of agreements we've made in relationships and all the people around us who we've been relating to from a space of masks, from wearing masks, from pretending to be something or someone we're not. And that doesn't mean you have to push away everything in your life. It just means you have to learn how to express who you are and see how it affects the things around you. And if the things and people around you don't like your self-expression, then you can ask them why they don't like it. If it's not safe to do that, you can just peace out Brussels sprout. You know, you can get up out of there. And that's okay. Just I always invite the gentle inquiry first of, because often when we want to self-express, we want to push away everyone we formerly made agreements with. We want to blow up our lives because we don't know how to be who we are when we're in agreements with other people, when we're in relationship to other people. And so we blow up our lives so we can just start again. And sometimes that's important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's not the right thing to do. Whatever you do is the right thing to do for you. You're in charge of yourself. You know what's best for you. And that's how we build self-trust. That's how we do it is we follow a feeling. We follow a nudge. And we just get to know more and more about our inner knowing. And we get to know that by sitting in the silence. By taking that leap back within to yourself when you are naked of everything you learned. So there's a couple quotes that I was going to read earlier and then talk about, but, you know, life happens and talking happens and, hey, shit, here we are. And what I would say is probably pretty close to the end of the podcast. There's a great quote from Worsen Shire, which is, My alone feels so good. I'll only have you if you're sweeter than my solitude. I love that quote because it talks about setting standards, setting standards for our own behavior that then invite 
behavior from other people to meet that standard. If you have to lower your standard to invite someone in your life, then you're not winning. You're having to shrink to meet someone to make them feel comfortable instead of inviting them to expand and grow into you. Now, there's a difference between setting a standard and creating a wall. If I use my standards as a way for no one to get close, then I know that I'm just using them from a space of fear. But if I'm genuinely standing in the truth of what I know, then it will invite into my space people who can meet me there. But you got to say no to the tests. You got to say no to the people who can't meet you there. I've learned a lot about holding on to things. And I thought the other day about this idea that nothing worth holding requires a tight grip. And there's a quote from one of my favorite poets, Nayira Wahid, which is, someone can be madly in love with you and still not be ready. They can love you in a way you have never been loved and still not join you on the bridge. And whatever their reasons, you must leave because you never ever have to inspire anyone to meet you on the bridge. You never ever have to convince someone to do the work to be ready. There is more extraordinary love, more love that you have never seen out here in this wide and wild universe. And there is the love that will be ready. So with that, I invite you to enjoy your day and perhaps to start each morning as I have been doing with just a simple thank you. Thank you for another day. Thank you for my eyes and my breath. Thank you for giving me another opportunity to do right by me and by the world. We're all in this together. And the more we show up for ourselves, the more we stand in our own integrity, the more we invite others to do the same. Your healing, your revolution, your rebellion is ours. Chat soon.